This is the smell of a warm three-day-old egg salad sandwich in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag with new Fabuloso lemon scent. Hefty, hefty, hefty! <sighs> smell the difference? When life gives you stinky, get hefty, ultra-strong with new Fabuloso lemon scent. It smells like clean, freshly picked lemons. So no matter what's inside your trash, you can stop the stink and smell the lemon. Recorded live. Welcome back to another edition of It's Been a While. Uh, I'm joined by my co-host, Rory Anderson. Hopefully, you're still in the right state of mind. Sorry. You there? Oh, Sorry. Well, um, hopefully Rory will be back. Hello. Yeah. Can you hear me or what? I can hear you. Weird. Okay. Apparently those headphones don't operate well. All right. Let's try this again. As I was saying, I was mildly offended by you insinuating that I might be drunk on the broadcast for a couple reasons. First and foremost, that insinuates the idea that me being drunk would be less of good quality uh, commentary than if I were sober. And let's let's face it, me sober commentary is bad. That'd be pretty funny. Yeah, maybe. Come on, dude, you're not as fat as me and get drunk that fast, okay? Let's just face it. I think no, I'm perfectly really fine. <laughs> I'm still making fun of myself at the same rate as always. <laughs> um. Well, there's been some news this week. Um, Keenan Allen... Got a new contract. Uh, not really a number one wide receiver, and he got number one wide receiver money. And not really. $10 million. I wouldn't call number one wide receiver money. Crabtree got something pretty similar. Um, and I, you know, he, I would consider him the number two. Uh, you know, wide receiver one money, you're probably talking closer to 12 or 14. Um, but I feel like we're in this era, and I've said this before, where skill position contracts, we're going to see a lot more of them in kind of the 85th or 90th percentile of value um, and less elite contracts. What we're going to see is more um, more 
maybe shorter and uh, maybe slightly more guarantees, but you're not going to see, you know, the Megatron style, you know, seven years, 105, something like that, or um, what Larry Fitzgerald did in Arizona. Um, well, they have a, essentially a $20 million guarantee in that, but I'm guessing it's a four-year deal, $5 million guaranteed each year. Yeah, and really the guarantees come to what's guaranteed for injury. Uh, because with Keenan Allen, there is the injury <laughs> history. Yeah. And realistically, you're at most talking, I don't think he makes it to year four of that contract, either by cut or trade. Either he's going to get moved or they're going to rework that deal. So I think at most he's going to see three years and then get an extension. He he did the right thing from the player perspective. He did the right thing only taking a four-year deal because it sets him up perfectly to get another deal when he's still young enough um, that he could really make things happen for his career. So he's going to be, I think, 28, 29 when he hits, you know, year four of that deal. So he's still going to be in a really good money-making spot for him to really cash out again on another, you know, say, four-year contract, you know, worth some pretty decent money. So, um, you know, it's a pretty, it's kind of a 50-50 contract. It's team-friendly, but, you know, it doesn't really hurt Kane and Allen either. Um, I almost said Allen <laughs> Iverson by accident. Moving to Carolina, a sort of a stunner. Michael Orr got a new deal. Why, of all left tackles, would you keep him and sign him to a longer deal? He was awful. He basically cost you a Super Bowl. I could make the exact same argument about why the Chargers extended all the money they did to their offensive line. That offensive line is garbage. Same principle applies in Carolina. However, say what you will, there's something to say for chemistry, and more importantly, players who know the scheme and operate within the scheme. The San Diego offensive line, if you put, you know, say Eli Manning behind that offensive line, he will get destroyed. Because Eli Manning, or say Ben Roethlisberger, holds on to that ball way too long. Um, another good example is uh, uh, Andrew Luck. So somebody who's going to hold on to the ball for a long time can't sit behind that line. But Philip Rivers gets the ball off so fast that it works. On the flip side, with Cam Newton, that offensive line might be garbage, but Cam Newton's six foot five, two hundred fifty pounds, and runs a four five forty. You can get away with it. <laughs> Unless you're in the Super Bowl playing the Denver Broncos, then you're just going to look really, really bad. And moving from one town or one seat to another, uh, Philadelphia, Fletcher Cox got a pretty decent amount of money. Um, I'm, I like him as a player. I don't know if he's worth that just yet. No, I don't think he's worth that kind of money. Um, you're, I mean, we're, we're talking J.J. Watt money at this point, and I don't think that he's worth that kind of money. I know he has some pretty killer production, but um, I, you know, I don't see, the, I don't see the value. But at the same time, I don't think that's a good contract from a player perspective either. 
that contract has a lot of fluff in it. And realistically, that's at most a three-year deal. I don't even know if it makes four. Because as soon as you hit year four, he's at kind of a 50% space where if they cut him, they're only eating about 50% worth of dead money. I don't even know if he you know, makes the year four of that deal, to be perfectly honest, unless he's producing at an insane rate, in which case, you know, they're just going to probably work that deal around and then change money into bonus and then, you know, mess the crap out of it for their cap purposes. Um, but I don't – I think that was a terrible deal from a player perspective, and I don't – I don't like him getting into that kind of long-term deal with really fake numbers. I mean, we're talking about $60 million of the guarantees, and $20 million of those guarantees aren't even guaranteed for injuries, so they're really kind of fake guarantees. They are roster bonuses. I mean – Well, if Olivier Vernon got paid more than J.J. Watt right now, which he is currently – this year. Um, I think Fletcher Cox should be paying more than what Olivier Vernon is. He's produced more than Vernon has ever in his career. If I were, if I were, uh, the representation for, uh, Mr. Uh, Crap! What's his face? I just forgot his Put name. Fletcher Cox. Cox. Thank you. Um, uh, first off, if I, if I were his representation, if I were his representation, to be perfectly honest, I'm not looking to go get a six-year deal where, at most, sixty percent of that is even slightly guaranteed, and then forty percent of it really is actually guaranteed. What I would have done personally, and and I feel like this is gradually happening in some positions, but I think it's going to take one of a handful of teams to really take the big step and make this happen and think outside the box in order for this to occur. But I think it could happen soon. And what I would have done is pushed for, say, a four-year deal, even three-year deal, but I would have got 100% guaranteed. Like, let's just say I got it three years, 45, but I got all three years 100% guaranteed regardless. Where does that leave you? Because realistically, you're at the same place in total money earned as you would be on that six-year deal. However, you got it 100% guaranteed, which is actually more than what he got 100% guaranteed in this contract, because I think it's about $42 million. But even then, mm-hmm. with a short three-year deal, maybe you could bring that number up and get 100% guaranteed at, say, 17 or $18 million a year. So now you're talking $54 million guaranteed. And then you're still, at his age, you're, what, 25 now, you're still 28 years old, ready to hit the market one more time and get another huge payday again if you're producing. That's what I would have done. And I, I there's these six-year deals, stuff like that. To me, it's completely pointless. It's all a bunch of mama-chuma. And it really does nothing but hold back the earning potential for Fletcher Cox in the long run because there are no real set guarantees for him after year three. Uh, moving from Philadelphia to Denver, and no, it's not Von Miller. Brandon Marshall got a four-year extension. Uh, pretty yeah, decent money. Well, inside linebackers is a press market, so you're not going to see big money heading to inside linebackers. It just doesn't. It's just not there. 
Uh, but Brandon Marshall, solid cover linebacker. I think that's really the key to note with him because of the way that defense really operates. Uh, in reality, it's more of a 34 than it is a 43. Uh, they're almost always bringing four or five guys, lots of pressure being produced. So they're required to play a lot of their linebackers in coverage. And I think, in a weird way, Marshall is a bit of an upgrade over Trevathan because although Trevathan's very good, especially in the box, I don't think he has quite the coverage abilities of Brandon Marshall. But I think Brandon Marshall is going to fit in well there for what they're going to need him to do. And I don't see any problems with him uh, filling in that role for Trevathan. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's a depressed market. You're just not going to see a lot of money get thrown that way. I mean, he barely got paid more than Curtis Lofton got from the Raiders. Well, I think Curtis, yeah, Curtis Lofton got six and a half per year, and he got eight. So, yeah. Thing in Denver, Ron Miller says no chance to play 2016 under the franchise. You know what I find is the most important thing about this entire story? And it's going to throw everyone off a little bit. I didn't know Chelsea Handler was on Netflix. I didn't realize that her show was a Netflix show. Like, I still thought she was on ETV, whatever, like the E Channel, or, you know, whatever. She's not funny, but it's not really the point. I didn't realize her show was on. I mean, how far has she fallen? <laughs> like, I don't know. Netflix probably gets more viewership than probably E. So I don't know. Maybe she fell upwards. Whatever. That was the most shocking detail about this entire story to me. Is that is the Chelsea Handler show is on uh, Netflix? That's how important it is. <laughs> See, look, sober Rory isn't saying anything that funny. Let's just face it. I don't blame him, honestly. Why, well, why would you? have another 4th of July accident like JPP did. <laughs> I don't think JPP much... was going to make some big money. Oh, yeah. He, I mean, JPP was, but Vaughn Miller is going to, you know, would blow JPP's attention out of the water. The giant. Uh, if anything, I think uh, Vaughn Miller might smoke one too many doobies. I don't expect him blowing his own handoffs. Um, but well, we never know. You never know, you know, so I won't take it out of the realm of possibility. Uh, but, you know, might listen to too much Sublime and uh, have too, one too many pop brownies. I think it's totally plausible. Um, I don't blame him for wanting to sit out. The dude is ready for a big, fat payday. And, frankly, um, the Denver Broncos are penny-pinching the crap out of their own roster. It's pretty ridiculous. I mean, brought, I mean, I don't mind them saying, hey, we're going to set a number down for X amount of play, for X player, especially a bubble player like a Brock Osweiler who really got a payday he wasn't really deserving of. Um, you know, in, in principally, you didn't let the same thing go with Danny Trevathan and, um, you know, some other guys. I don't have a problem with that, but there gets to a point where there's one or two guys on a roster that, you just say, here's a blank check, let's make this happen. And if that's Von Miller, then you do it. And I don't see why, speaking of what I mentioned with smaller contracts and higher guarantees, why not do that with Von Miller? I mean, what is stopping you from saying, here's four years, 80 million, 100% guaranteed, let's do it? You think he's going to say no to that deal? I don't. I don't see him saying no to that deal. Why? He wants the biggest net number? 
will be freaking do. It's not going to matter. Come up, two torn ACLs, and each year after that, he's come back better than ever. Yeah, I mean, and like I said, well, why not? If you're if you're the Broncos, right? If you're the Broncos, and you can get him and pay him a, like I said, if you could pay him, say, just do, you know, four years at you know eighteen million a year at a hundred percent guarantee, and he takes that, do it, make it happen, do something outside the box. Quit with these inflated contract numbers that mean nothing simply for people's own, you know, for agents' personal opinions of themselves. It's ridiculous. And, you know, I, I think, um, you, you know, if Elway really wants to get this contract done, which I should, which I think he does, uh, think outside the box, you know, and get it done. Um, be a little, a little bit revolutionary. You know, change the game. Um, time to move on from... The Broncos, Jason Pierre-Paul, warns players about summer downtime. I sort of chuckled at that. Say that one more time. (laughs) Uh, What'd you say about JPP? JPP warned... This is like a thing on NFL.com. Jason Pierre-Paul warns players about summer downtime. That's what I thought you said. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I can help to laugh. Oh, oh man. JPP. <sighs> you know, this is kind of like... This is kind of like Chris Henry. We all remember Chris Henry. The wide receiver for the Bengals. Yeah, Chris Henry. It's kind of like Chris Henry mm-hmm. after a few his tumultuous seasons going to the rookie symposium and telling people not to do, you know whatever it is that he was doing, or like Adam Jones going to the Rookie Symposium and doing oh, that kind Adam of stuff. Adam Jones snuck into the Rookie Symposium one year. Yeah. But, yeah you I don't know, know how he sneaked. But, but the, you know, see, it's kind of hard for Adam Jones to sneak in anywhere since he's always throwing $100 bills all over the place. Um, but it, it's just one of those things where, you know, they say something, it's just so on the nose, and it's just, it's like such a dumb moment. But you kind of think to yourself, you know, just don't say anything at all. Just don't. Because everyone's then immediately going to think about your dumb finger. Because you've only got one left. So, yeah. Just keep it shut. It's probably your best bet. (laughs) Don't give advice to anybody. Just don't say anything. (laughs) Um, Getting towards the end of the news, um, Muhammad Wilkerson, says, I don't feel like the Jets, the Jets want me. Well, you have a quarterback that I don't know if they even want anymore. You know, you got Muhammad Wilkerson, but they're too tied up in cap. Um, so, two, and it, two things here. There's two, I think there's two things here. And I think one mm-hmm. ties in with something else we already talked about. Have you ever seen two young players in the prime of their careers, simultaneously had their contract negotiations so well screwed up by their teams that they're put in this place. I've never seen anything like it. For two premier players to have their their responsible their respectable teams basically screw up their own cap situations so bad that they've screwed up contract negotiations is unreal.
I mean, they could always approach Eric Decker and Brandon Marshall. If they're so big buds, why don't they take a pay cut? Well, yeah, and, and that's true because the Jets, um, I remember someone told me I was an idiot for saying this, uh, but, of course, Amy Trask says this on Twitter all the time. Uh, the salary cap is an accounting scheme. Your cash uh, is an accelerated way to <laughs> pay for that accounting. And the fact is, the Jets, Woody Johnson, have tons and tons of scratch that they can throw uh, at Muhammad Wilkerson in the form of liquid cash. They have the cash. Uh, the problem is, and a lot of people don't talk about this, but Mike McCagnan, he gets a lot of props. That dude has epic the cap. What? He screwed their caps. Oh, he's completely screwed that cap up. So... And people like to make fun of the GM at the Jets before this. Uh, uh, John the Glacier. It's, yeah, they call him the Glacier. And, you know, there, <laughs> there's that. But the fact is, he did a masterful job at restructuring the cap, bringing in tons and tons of money for them. It was very uh, Reggie McKenzie-esque. I mean, he really went through that whole process. I think he should have had they, more time. Yeah, I mean, and we can talk about, you know, his talent evaluation is what it is, but from a cap standpoint, he did masterful work. And the fact and of the matter the, is... He helped the Jaguars. Yeah, and the fact of the matter is now they're in a position where they have $171 million in total cap liabilities. Uh, their top 51 is at 153.8. So they're right up against the cap. They have no real space in order to kind of sneak... Um, Fitzger- uh, Fitzpatrick into their cap situation, and Muhammad Wilkerson right now is on the cap for fifteen point seven million. So the weird thing about this is, I don't see why they can't wrap his current salary uh, from the franchise tag, use it as a base spot for where they're at, tie it up into a massive bonus, and essentially completely restructure the way their cap looks for year one and bring that cap number down by $10 million. I mean, it's completely plausible. Why this has not been done yet is completely beyond my comprehension because in just terms of what you could do with the cap and structuring deals, this should be easy to do, even though Mike McCagnan has completely screwed this cap up. It's just... I'm just uh, it's, I mean, it's... Sorry. Sorry it's, just, it's bizarre. It's truly weird. What's weird to me is, why isn't Fitzpatrick, if, you know, he's still waiting, why doesn't he see if there's another team? I'm sure the Niners would be looking to help for competition. Um, I'm sure the Broncos would rather have Fitzpatrick than Mark Sanchez. If the Broncos um, want Fitzpatrick, I think they already would would have pulled the trigger on him. I, I think the, the thing, realistically with Fitzpatrick, I don't think he has anywhere else to go. I think Fitzpatrick has zero leverage, and probably the only team interested in having him back is the Jets. And I think the other thing about Fitzpatrick is he knows the only scheme the Rams, that has real success. No, I don't think the Rams want anything to do with him. I think the Rams are completely ready to roll out a rookie quarterback. That team is built to roll out a rookie quarterback. Um, I think Fitzpatrick knows the only scheme he's had dramatic success in is Chan Gailey's. So, realistically, he has no leverage. Uh, but he's trying to milk it for the best he can. Um, I 
again, I don't understand what is happening with the Jets and, and the way things are situated here um, with their cap and the way they're spending money. It's it's just really, it's truly strange. Um, it's just a weird one. <sighs> Moving for close to the end, Ravens elite Eugene Monroe. Um, one thing he tried was advocating medical marijuana. I mean, I have no problem with him advocating it as long as he's not like doing it. You know, to script team. Oh, start over. Say that again. I had to pull. I was wearing my headphones earlier, and my earbud thing got stuck in my ear. Didn't come out. So for some reason. Uh, well, I was hearing very Eugene, well. Eugene Monroe was really oh, yeah. Um, they they didn't like how he wanted to advocate medical marijuana, mm-hmm. and I think there's more to this story than meets the eye. I think you have. I think what you have is you have an owner that is very regimented in what he looks for and what his players do off the field. And and say what you will about pot, um, there is still a stigma with it with some people, and they just, you know, sometimes they just don't want to hear about it, and they just they don't want you associated with it. It's more of a branding thing, I think, overall. And they just don't want their player actively advocating for the use of marijuana. Um Regardless of the effect marijuana can have on the NFL player, if it's good or bad, whatever, that's a debate I'm not really interested in having in any way, shape, or form, frankly, because I don't care. But, um, you know, it's right now the NFL does not approve the use of pot. Um, that is their discretion as a, uh, as, a professional, as a professional league. And, you know, Eugene Monroe, he, although he's never failed a, uh, a urine test, is, you know, and he advocates for it. He gave $80,000 for uh, research at John Hopkins University. And they probably so, tested uh, him right after he did that. Yeah, just kidding. Um, and, you know, with Russell Bezos, you know, Eugene Monroe has missed, you know, games the last couple of years. So, realistically, um, I could definitely see Monroe uh, falling into a team where, you know, he'll compete for time, compete for starts. Um, I'd probably get I probably this medium I contract. I Steelers is one option. And I it think really the Bears is another who's option. Who's the second one? The Bears. I didn't think of the Bears. Um, I don't know. John Fox and the Bears. Hmm. I don't and know. Charles I don't Leno at left tackle. Yeah, but the... But we'll be getting into the same discussion we're having now about the Ravens and stigma and pot and all that kind of crap with John Fox. Um, he kind of rubs me off as a little bit of a stickler in that sense. So not real – I don't know. It, I think it's plausible, but I'm not real sure. But I do think ultimately he's got too much talent to not be on a roster. So I think he's going to stick somewhere. It's just a matter of where. People are Maybe Seattle. I can definitely see Seattle. And the Giants. Yeah. Um, the more I think about it, I think probably Seattle makes a lot of sense to me. Um, and they're definitely very chill about what people do off. I mean, come on. They got Marshawn Lynch. Uh, you know, 
I'm not sure. Is it really? The bill. Well, did he have his cap? I don't know. He's a pretty decent left uh, right tackle. Oh, no, I'm not saying. He could even kick inside and play some guard if you want him to. He's actually a pretty talented, versatile player. Um, Definitely fits well into his own blocking scheme. That's why I think Seattle makes a lot of sense. Uh, With the Bills, I think you have a cap situation that isn't really uh, enticing for him, whereas I think other places he might be able to get some more money. There's the Chiefs and the Chargers. Mm, Chargers put a lot of money into their offensive tackles. But uh, uh, Chiefs, maybe. They keep throwing bodies in. So you get the right combination. Yeah, well, you know, it's not always about talent sometimes, apparently, for some teams. Um, the Chiefs, yeah, you know, I guess the Chiefs, maybe. I mean, there's probably a handful of teams, you know, six or seven teams that probably make a lot of sense. I mean, teams maybe always a, need a left tackle maybe or a right tackle. Time. Maybe a homecoming to Jacksonville. Oh, that'd be full of irony. <laughs> after, the way, after the way that ended. Um, um, they traded him away to move Luke Jokel over and to get picked. And Luke yeah, but they traded good. they traded him away for a 12-pack of beer and a sack of nuts. A fifth-round draft pick. Like I said, a pack of beer and a sack of nuts. Um, the... I don't know, maybe the Texans. And he was good for a left tackle for him. Their problem was their right tackle at the time. Yeah, well, his biggest thing is injuries. He's missed something like, what, 20 games the last two years? So, but what, you know, there's that. Jacksonville. He played extremely well at left tackle. I don't know why they felt like they needed to draft another left tackle. They should have looked for Probably. Right I, well, you know what? I think... I wouldn't be surprised if he got butthurt that they drafted a tackle um, and then kind of forced his way out. That's probably what happened. That or maybe they equally did not like his uh, advocacy for pot. Um, from, what I, from what I have read about Eugene Monroe, this isn't like a new thing for him. Um, he's been a big advocate about it for a long time. So probably goes way back. Well, I can also see the Vikings interested. Yeah, well, like I said, there's going to be teams. You know, you, 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 any talented offensive lineman is going to find a home. And, you know, Eugene Monroe ultimately has enough talent to play in the NFL, so. Um. Are you still looking for teams for Eugene Monroe? No. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> Uh, the last bit of news, the last news is Ron Rivera signs a three-year extension of $19.5 million. I think Ron, I think Ron Rivera is, I don't think, maybe, um, I don't think, to be perfectly honest, I think people get way up, uh, I think they give Ron Rivera way too much credit for what he's done. I'll, I'll say this. Ron Rivera is not a bad coach. He's a good coach. You know, he's not. He's but I think, what he's, I think what he's done is he's done the right thing. He's let his coordinators coordinate. But he hasn't done anything revolutionary. This isn't a guy who's rewritten the book on how to coach. This is a guy who has allowed a defensive coordinator to come in who runs quite possibly 
the most bland defense in the NFL um, in terms of just what they do. They, they literally run, I don't know, what, maybe three or four defensive concepts at most. I mean, they don't do much. And then offensively, it's not an overly creative system. It's just all about maximizing uh, the options for Cam Newton. So I just don't – like, I don't view him as a guy who's revolutionized the NFL. He He's not really changed anything. He's kind of come in. He's been given time. He's kind of put his stamp on something, and has turned out to be pretty successful. Does he deserve a three-year extension? I guess. The other team's made some progress. They seem to like him. I mean, there's you can't talk too little about chemistry. Chemistry is massively important when it comes to the coaching staff, so probably. But I, oh, I think, the way. too, at the same time, he's not – we're not talking about some, you know, the next Bill Belichick here. You know, like kind of slow down a little bit on the, on the Ron Rivera love. Well, I'm just going to bring it back to your last one. But Eugene Monroe kind of spot for him. The Colt, Jim Mercy loves hot. <laughs> yeah, but the problem is Jim Mercy also loves prescription pills, and Eugene Monroe hates them. So I don't know. Well, he's advocating for medical marijuana, so maybe there's... Yeah, to get rid of the pills. That's the point. He's advocating marijuana because they're less addictive and dangerous than pills. That's his entire argument. And all Jim Irsay does is pop Percocets. Well, and drink whiskey, but mostly Percocets. Anyway, um, our next topic is over hate teams. I'll let you say I am sick and tired of hearing about the resurrection of the AFC South. Sick and freaking tired of it. Of course, Moreover, talent, but what? We haven't seen them play. Exactly. Besides the point. Moreover, I am sick and bloody tired about hearing how Marcus Mariota is like the next coming great quarterback. He has done virtually, I'm not going to say nothing. He hasn't done much to all of a sudden think that this is going to be the next uh, great quarterback. I think he had a fine rookie year. But, I mean, slow down. And all these people who are pumping up the AFC West is driving me literally back to crazy. West. Or, sorry, not the AFC West. The AFC South is driving me literally back crap crazy. Like, it, it doesn't make... It doesn't make any sense. Like, you look at what the Titans have done. What makes you think that the all of a sudden... Is still a mess. Oh, it's a complete disaster. It's a disaster from front to back. They have Jarrell Casey. They have a slightly resurrected Brian Arakpo. And anything else? You know, if there's not a whole heck of a lot going on there... Um, I mean, you could just I mean, Cordy to find safety. I mean, that's safety the corner. Yeah, and, you know, okay, they got a couple potentially interesting weapons at the wide receiver spot. Yeah. Uh, do they have a couple of – do they have a kind of over potentially over-the-hill running back uh, who was only really good one year with a monstrous offensive line, and then you have another running back who's kind of fat? Who did the same yeah. thing in college? 
And yeah. then you still have all the same type of bats right behind them, except except for Bishop Sankey, who's probably gone. Antonio Andrews is so slow, I guess, but I effective. Mean, um, David Cobb, this is the same type of bat. Well, and let's talk about the Colts. What have the Colts done to change any stripes? They're still a complete disaster on the defensive end. I mean, do they finally well, sort of had well, in the draft, they really had to choose. Do you want to protect your quarterback during this contract uh, year, or do you rather fix the defense? Well, look, uh, the Colts are pretty much – the Colts are destined to win games 45-42. That's pretty much who they're going to be. All right, you know. And let's not mention the fact that they still don't really do – they got a 45-year-old running back or whatever. <laughs> they they're just – Former Seahawks running back escaping me. So I mean, there's just I I don't I don't get it. Could it be a really exciting division where they all kind of beat the crap out of each other and we see some ugly football that's really really interesting? Well, they Absolutely. Beat all the crap out of I just don't think that. And, and, and people are also making this massive assumption like Brock Osweiler is going to waltz into that Houston job, and all of a sudden everything's going to be just freaking spiffy, like. There, that's a big assumption. You know, <laughs> Brock Osweiler was in one of the most simplistic. Brandon back in a month. <laughs> Ooh, watch out! A forty-five-year-old Brandon Weeden. Um, then Tom said, Brock Osweiler went from one of the most. He went from one of the most basic designed offenses that the that even a guy like Jay Cutler could throw for 4,000 yards in, okay? He went from that, as a rookie, by the way, he went from that to throwing him into an extremely complicated Patriot-style offense that's going to have a buttload of option routes that's going to do 10,000 different things from every different angle. And we're immediately going to assume that he's going to be successful. I think that that is a mighty large assumption that doesn't really have a lot of merit. Um, and Lamar Miller, we're assuming he's going to come in and he's going to just be perfectly fine as well, uh, which I think that is more likely than Brock Osweiler. Basically, what you're hoping with Brock Osweiler is that he doesn't blow his own leg off, uh, and I'm not making a throwback pun to uh, Jason Beer-Paul, uh, and at the same time could just throw 50-yard bombs to uh, do, uh, New Hopkins. I mean, realistically, if he can do that, then you know maybe he's serviceable. I just don't see the upside. I honestly don't. And, you know, I just I don't get the hype around the AFC South. It's It, well, it truly blows me away. I guess I get, I get the Brock Osweiler thing. If he's a game manager, like the person he learned under, Peyton Manning, he doesn't make too many mistakes. He just makes the reads and throws. Uh, your defense handles their business. Your running game handles their business. But Peyton Manning... New football in a way that Brock Osweiler could only dream of. Say what you will about Peyton Manning, and I think there's one. I have one serious appreciation for Peyton Manning, and I and I knock him sometimes, but I think in terms simply of the brain on his shoulder and the way he looked at football, he could pick it apart, and he how he was always so many steps ahead of everybody else, generally speaking is truly special. 
I don't know if Brock Osweiler has that. I'm not saying he's stupid. I'm just saying I don't think he's the elite processor of information that Peyton Manning was. Because Peyton Manning, we're talking about, is like on a whole different planet, you know. And so I think it's very hard to compare the two. So you're going to ask Brock Osweiler to really learn a lot and have a lot. And we us not even talk about the anticipation it takes and understanding it takes and the development of the relationship it takes for wide receivers and quarterbacks to be on the same page with option routes. We've seen systems where that blows up in your face left and right. Look at how the Patriots have struggled with wide receivers. Look what happened to the New York Giants when that system started getting old and uh, those wide receivers started falling apart and they tried bringing young guys that didn't work. They had to completely scrap it and go to a West Coast offense. The point is, I'm just not sold that all of a sudden he's going to come in and that's going to be some sort of dynamic offense or even that he's going to be a decent game manager. For all I know, he's going to break Matt Schaub's record for pick sixes. Speaking of Matt Schaub, he blocked me on Instagram. You get blocked by everybody. I know, and I didn't do anything wrong. All I hit was the follow button. I looked later, um, and I'm blocked. But maybe you're like on an international list of people to block on social media for football players. Well, I've relatively blocked half of Twitter. <laughs> Oy vey. <laughs> okay. Well, anyways. Uh, well, so speaking of feeling better, Tim Kawakami blocked me a long time ago. Who? I said Tim Kawakami blocked me a long time ago. There's something unblocked me. <laughs> All right, what's next? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you finished your reign on the tight. I mean, the Texans. You said the Titans. AFC South in general. I have equal hate for that entire division and the hype that it gets. No sword in my thunder right there. Um, The Raiders. Oh, fun. We're talking about the Raiders. What now? Um, I'm not sure... Um, when you add too many high-priced free agents in one year, that it's just going to make everything better the first year, next year. Oh, we're in the playoffs now. Um, he barely won eight games. Didn't even win eight games. Only won seven. I know. Okay, just making that point. Oh no, I think I absolutely think you're bringing up a valid argument. Um, I think. Basically, the I'm counter... looking at the model what the Dolphins do. They sign all these high-priced free agents, but it doesn't pay off. Mm. This is where I would disagree with you, though. I think the key difference to what the Dolphins have done and what the Raiders have done are multifold. That did not... I'm not saying they like the Dolphins, but I'm just looking at that kind of... No, no, I know. I'm countering countering your point. I'm countering your point because there is a significant difference. First things first, the Raiders aren't counting on a single high-priced free agent to come in and also command the locker room. That's not how this is going. 
they're bringing in high-priced free agents for sure. But realistically, everybody knows that this is Carr and Max football team. Are you going to bring in a guy like Reggie Nelson to help you run the back part of that defense? Absolutely, because you have a bunch of young defensive backs, especially safeties, that are going to need help in a complicated system at times to match up and make sure they're in place. I'm not arguing that. However, if you're talking about who owns this locker room, it's Mack and Carr. It's their team. Everybody knows it. So it's a little different than, say, the Dolphins bringing in Sue and then saying to Indomitian Sue, we want you to set the tone inside this locker room. The Raiders did that. They did that with Justin Tuck and Charles Woodson. They set the tone. They developed something, and they have Carr and Mack kind of running with it. So although it's a very valid point that you're making, and I, and it always should be one that uh, should be considered, I do think it's a um, little different than the Dolphins. I do have another counterpoint. Um, they looked on they look on paper good as a good depth chart, you know, just as the starters. But if once you guys get hurt, depends who gets hurt. Who are you talking about? Like, are you talking about if Cleo Mack goes down? Really, any position of your main key starters. The only position. There's no I feel the only position I the only player on defense that if he were to go down would seriously hamper this team. There's probably I think the one the biggest I think the two biggest ones are probably Mac and TJ Carey are probably the two biggest ones. Not Carr. Well, I mean, I was thinking defensively. I mean, obviously, the quarterback goes without saying. I mean, I think that is, you know, everyone makes an assumption anyways that if you're a team with a good quarterback and the quarterback goes down, you're screwed. So I think that kind of goes without saying. Um, but specifically, if we're talking, say, defensively, if you have Mac or TJ Carey go down, I think those are the two most problematic ones. Now, people might be a little weirded out that I said TJ Carey, but he is a piece that the Raiders count on because he is so versatile. He does so many things that they count on him a lot to fill in where they need him. And he's pretty much their main nickel slot corner. So in a, in a division where they're going to be in a lot of three wide receivers as well. So, and then, of course, if Cleo Mackos, I'm talking about a 15-20 sack guy, that's going to hurt you. So uh, I definitely you know see there, but along the defensive line, I think that that's just fine. And the way they use their defensive line, the way they uh, are essentially running what I would define as a 34 defense, um, the way it operates, you know, it's not a huge deal. They don't count on those interior defensive linemen to be T.J. Watt. You know, we saw Mario Edwards Jr. with, what did he get, like three or four sacks last season? Is there any update on his neck injury? He is cleared for con. He's cleared for contact and uh, everything, so he's good to go. Um, so, from, what? I'm sorry, I forgot my point. Uh, well, nobody. They have not said what the neck injury is. I have spoken with friends of a friend of mine who is in the medical profession. Uh, orthopedic surgeon, and discussed with him, and he's also a Raider friend, so I was discussing with him what he thinks it might be. 
And I, this was a long time ago when we first started hearing about it. And he said because there was no – it doesn't sound like it was created. The problem was created by an acute incident per se and kind of the way it's been treated. And what they've talked about is long-term management of the problem. They haven't talked about him needing you know this, that, or the other thing in order to start treating it. It was how are we going to maintain and manage this long term? They've used the term manage a lot with his neck. He, uh, I think it's called like Kuiper Fail syndrome or something like that. I can't remember the exact name. Um, but it's a, there's a genetic disorder in the neck that causes some fusing to occur. And with different, it can be the range on how serious it is can be varied. It could be very, very minor to very severe. And he thinks he probably has a minor case of it. And when it when the injury first happened, they probably weren't quite sure what it was or how to handle it. Um, but over time, they've kind of, there are ways that you can kind of manage it and keep it going. So that's what I've had friends tell. That's what I've had a friend tell me. He's a medical profession that his theory is. Obviously, he's not directly involved, but that's just a working theory. Uh, fire away at another overhyped team. What's that? Fire away at another team. Third division again. Well, is that all you have? What? Say that one more time. You're mumbling again. You're killing me, Smalls. <laughs> uh, do you have any more overhyped teams or divisions? Oh, overhyped teams. Oh, gotcha. Overhyped teams. Um, yeah, the Bengals. I think the Bengals are due for a big-time step back. Um, well, everybody's been saying that, really. No, I think a lot of people anticipate um, – and you know what? I should say this. I wouldn't quite say a step back so much as – it's will probably take a, a step back, but I think it's going to be much more of the same, and I don't think we're going to see the same overpowered team – they really ran away from teams during the regular season. So I definitely do think that they're going to come back to earth a little bit. Um, oh, pardon me. Woo-hoo, that was weird. And uh, I will be proven honest, I think your Cardinals are overhyped. I'm telling you, dude. I do too. Okay, good. I'm glad we agree. <laughs> I think the Cardinals are a little overhyped. It's, uh, the defense is a mess. Yeah, but I can, see the, I, can, I can see the defense be fine. I can see the defense being fine. I'm just I'm just finding it hard to believe that offensively things are going to continue to repeat themselves in the same way and that you're going to continue to see the same results. I think offensively they're going to come back down a little bit. And when that happens, is that defense... Because that, that team is built to play from a, with a lead. You know, that, that team is built to jump on you quick, get a lead, let a couple of pass rushers spin the years back, come after you, and then sit back with a bunch of talented defensive backs and blitz you. And, you know, creative coverages, get your interceptions, all that jazz. So um, I think they're definitely going to come back a little bit. Um, I think Pittsburgh is is a little overhyped as well. I, I, I'm not entirely sold on that defense quite yet either. I'm not sure on that offensive line. Well, that offensive line always sucks. I mean, yeah, I... I, 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 I 
Yeah, but it's always been awful. <laughs> Name me a time it was good under Big Bang. Uh, it never was. He holds the ball too long. He's supposed to hit the offensive line, mainly. A lot of it's on him. Well, yeah. So, uh, but and a lot of people are talking about how that offense is going to be, you know, such a massive juggernaut and run away. I agree with that, but I'm not sold on that defense. You know, they're they're kind of switching to a 43, doing a lot of cover two stuff. I'm not real sold on it. So, um, yeah, but I just said I'm not worried about the offense putting up numbers. I fully I know, expect I them to do that. <laughs> I know. But Unless Kenny Coates has to play free safety. I'm a big Kenny Coates person. Why don't we put Sam, well, why don't they put Sammy Coates, like, uh, trying to make him the new Troy Palomala? See if that works. <laughs> Grow some Samson here. Um, so, apparently, Ozo, uh, Troy Palomalu on the Danger commercials has given, I guess, or tough a ton to Odell Beckham Jr. <laughs> on one of the commercials. Oh. Oh, okay. Odell Beckham. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> well, I, was just I, think it should, I think it should be Mark Sanchez with that soccer headband he used to wear and then do it that way. That's why I think he'd be good on head, head and shoulders commercials. Remember he did dreadlocks with his hair? Mark Sanchez? He did, right before he tore his labor. Interesting. Well, white guy's doing dreadlocks. That's, you just deserve to get hurt. <laughs> white, you know, I know he's not 100% white. He's, you know, a little Hispanic there, too, but... Let's you know. Yeah, well, you know what? I never saw Eddie Guerrero with freaking... Dreadlocks. I saw him with a freaking mullet. Rest oh, that might Guerrero. that might be a little before your time. You might not know who Eddie Guerrero is. I know who he is. Oh, okay. You're just so young. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't even um, get my Bob Euchre reference for Christ's sake. I guess an overhyped team, and my estimation is the uh, Buccaneers. Ooh, see, I'll disagree with you here. I think the Buccaneers are kind of right where they should be. Their offensive line is still not good. Their defense has some pieces, but other spots just playing off. You, you know what they remind me of? You know what they remind me of? Only because, it's, obviously, with the Raiders, it gives me a good reference point. It kind of reminds me of, you know, like the Raiders last year, but the Raiders, if they had a really crappy schedule last year, but actually like a schedule that wasn't stacked full of a bunch of really good teams, because <laughs> the Buccaneers are in a crappy division with a bunch of crappy teams they're going to play all season. I do think they play the AFC West, which would be ironic. If, never mind. But besides, you know, they're in a really crappy division, and I feel like the Buccaneers fans should be optimistic. And so when you hear people talking about nine or ten wins with them, I think it's because they're in, in a crappy division with a bad schedule. I think if they were in a very tough division, if you stuck them like in the NFC West, totally different. I think you're lucky if they're getting five or six wins. But you put them in the NFC South, okay, you, yeah, eight or nine, it's plausible. 
I agree with Nick possibly eight or nine win, but I don't agree with how good teams can be. I just think crappy division. Yeah. Uh, teams not all that great. There's some good pieces, but the division will get them where they're at. They could be one of those grinder teams, you know, that like maybe grinds out nine wins, but it's never really pretty. I could see that. Yeah, like the Chiefs last year? Like who? The Chiefs last year when they went on a 10-game winning streak? Yeah, but it never really looks pretty. Kind of. Yeah, something like that. I could see well, that. Watching I could... Alex Smith play isn't all that pleasant. Yeah, I, I can see them be a team where, like, they never really blow you away, but they kind of figure out a way to win nine or games. Or, like, the Vikings last year. Oh, that probably is actually a better one. It could, yeah, yeah, I can see that. Vikings you are know, an overhyped team. I, I, yeah, but I think they're overhyped. Because I, if they're overhyped, I think it's because um, – we're relying on some assumptions that I'm not entirely sold are going to continue to prove themselves out. I mean, Adrian Peterson is getting old. He's Can we really count on those line. quarterbacks? You know, how how sold are we on that defense with those cornerbacks there? You I know, really eh. like the group of corners. What's that? I actually like the group of corners. I really yeah, like Trey Wayne. I really like Xavier Rhodes coming out. And well, well, I, think we're even, I think we're even seeing where the hype on Xavier Rhodes is coming back to earth a little bit, too, because people were really talking about him at one point, like, you know, UB corner in the league, and I thought it was a little crazy. He's got 10 corner. Yeah, but I don't think that that's anything to talk about. I think cornerback play in the NFL has massively come down, and the top corner in the NFL now isn't, you know, close to what it used to be. You know, Revis corners now were Sherman. Darrell Revis is not, a, you know, Darrell Revis is 60% of what he was. Okay, I mean, you saw what Amari Cooper did to him. <laughs> All right, I mean, let's be real. So Darrell Revis is not Darrell Revis. You know, we're not talking about a guy in his prime, you know, lock, like truly locked down. I don't think shutdown corners exist anymore because I, realistically, every corner now is a scheme fit corner. And most of them don't play straight man-to-man. And on top of that, a lot of them stick to one side. So, and even if you look at a guy like, uh, if you look at a guy like Josh Norman, there were times where he was getting completely roasted. You know, and then people talk about how, how good he was. He was a shutdown corner. He's not a shutdown corner. He played zone 99% of the time. That's not shut down. You know, a zone corner is not even playing the man. He's playing the zone. It's, that does not make you shut down, you know. A shutdown corner is a dude who's going to be is following a man into the slot and he's playing the man. So it, it I, I feel like you know the definition of what is a shutdown corner is completely lost. And I think what we have now we, is hold on. How did we get on the topic of shutdown corner? And because you were talking about Trey Wayne's, and or no, no, we were talking not Trey Wayne's, the other one. The other one. I didn't say anything about a shit-down corner, though. No, no, no. We were talking about cornerback play. Okay. And my problem was, she said, you know, top-10 corner, and I said, yeah, well, a top-10 corner now isn't nearly what it used to be. You know, we don't have... He's my assessment. He's a top-10 corner. Okay, fine. No, I, I don't, I'm not going to say I necessarily agree, because I'd actually have to work it out in my head, and I haven't taken the time to do that, nor do I feel like doing it at the moment. 
However, let's just say he is a top-ten corner, fine and dandy. Top-ten corner in a league where cornerback play it doesn't sniff what it used to. What it used to. You know, we're not talking about, you know, a league full of Willie Browns and, you know, uh, a duo, you know, duo like the Raiders had in the 80s and 90s with, you know, with what they had going on. Or let's even take, you don't have, you know, Mel Blunt. You don't have, you know, some of the great corners in the history of the NFL. You don't have that talent pool around anymore. And schematically, it's all about scheme sense in which you didn't have that back in those days. So I'm just saying, I don't. I, I think saying he's a top-ten quarter now is kind of like, okay, so what's your point? It doesn't mean anything. You know, it, it's, it's, a rel- it, it, it's a relative statement uh, when you're talking about a group of skill players that relatively aren't as good as that group has been traditionally in the NFL. So basically, I'm just poo pooing all over you. You made me lose my train of thought. Yeah. <laughs> We're talking about the Vikings and cornerbacks uh, with the Vikings. I know, but I forgot what I was going to say. Um, I don't know. Oh, you went from corners, uh, so probably Harrison Smith is the next thing. Adrian Peterson is going to start kicking more out of the backfield. Oh, no, he's not. Adrian that's Peterson what, is not going to start catching more balls out of the backfield. Quit playing that. That's what they said. Oh, I call that's it bull crap. Pro alert. You hear that I every call. year. Last year, you heard the same thing, too. I, mean, I, I call bull crap. Yes, I call bull crap. We are not going to see Adrian Peterson at age, you're like, 32 start catching more balls out of the backfield. You're going to see Jerry McKinnon do that. And what I was surprised is they didn't use Jerk McKinnon a whole lot in the beginning of the year. They start using well, him in the end when Peterson starts fumbling. Yeah, well, and the other thing, too, is um, if – well, here's the problem. When you have Adrian Peterson, it sounds very weird to say that. But if you want the the hiccup with an Adrian Peterson type is because he's so limited in actually being able to catch the ball with the ball in his hands in space like that because it's not what he does. He runs downhill in the night formation. When you do choose to bring in another running back, you tend to show your hand. Unless you just can get a stable of Adrian Peterson, in which case you're never really going to utilize the running back in the passing game, and it's just going to simplify and dumb down your passing concepts. So they're typically going to use the passing game until AP's done. Well, yeah, they're just going to run AP down the ground. If only, That's all they're going to do. You know, he would have been down in the ground a lot faster if John Fox was his coach. <laughs> if you know what I mean, those old Panthers teams. Mm. John mm. Foster went down to the ground fast. Um, you had other guys go down a lot faster. Well, how many times? I mean, what Adrian Peterson? I bet you, if you looked at his numbers across his career, probably averages like three hundred and fifty carries a season. I mean, just Adrian Peterson is a freak. You you get him once a generation. They don't exist. You know, people want to try to start making I claims like Ezekiel Elliott 
is somebody like Adrian Peterson. I don't buy that one bit. Ezekiel Elliott is a fine prospect, but he's not Adrian Peterson. I mean, this is not my point, but people could argue Todd Gurley. He's, he has probably the same issues with Peterson, um, that there's a little more to him. I feel and like we made a segue into college football. And no, we didn't. <laughs> Todd Gurley is... Oh, you said Todd Gurley. I thought you said something else. Sorry. I said you could argue Todd Gurley. Mm. Uh, I, Todd Gurley at least has the same frame and makeup as a, in a as an Adrian Peterson. It makes sense. I, I can actually see the... The premise actually makes sense there, but we'll see. And now I'm going to make a segue to college football. There you go. What? I'm going to make a segue to college football for a second. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, Tameji Perrine, uh, running back for, out of Oklahoma, you've probably never heard of. Him. No, I have not. <laughs> Well, he's also doing a lot of comparisons to Adrian Peterson running style uh, frame. Is anything to do with the fact they went to the same college? No. I don't buy that. I do my own scouting. Ah. Uh, so you, and I and I ignore so, uh, schools like that. You know, oh, we went to the same school, so no. So are you comparing him to Adrian Peterson? I have similarities in what other people say, but I have a different comparison. So he's the Diet Coke of Adrian Peterson. He could be the Trent Richardson version of Adrian Peterson. Oh, don't jinx the poor kid. Jeez. (laughs) Oh, man. If we start finding out that after weigh-ins, he starts going to, like, Denny's and Popeye's and everything, like, four sittings in a row, then he's the Trent Richardson. So we're, we can worry about that with Derrick Henry. What about Derrick Henry? No, I'm saying we could worry about the same thing that Trent Richardson and Eddie Lacy went through. No, I see more like if if Derrick Henry like kind of flops, I think he's going to be more like uh, Lindell White, where he has a couple of weird seasons where he's actually really good in some odd ways, and then just kind of slowly disappears and nobody ever hears from him ever again. I would have won Peyton Hillis, but mm, no, Peyton Hillis was more of a random flash in the pan, whereas like Lindell White was actually productive for, like, two or three seasons in the NFL, especially if you liked fantasy and you didn't mind a guy carrying the ball for, like, 3.3 yards to carry but get, like, 25 touchdowns, and then just kind of vanished. Like, poof. What's that? Like Michael Turner, in a way. No, Michael Turner is actually talented. Michael Turner was like a good running back for five years. I'm just disclosing from Utah Flash in the Pan when he was with San Diego. 
and then he had a maybe four-year career with the Falcons? Well, he was, you know, he got, what, 150 carries a year in San Diego. And he'd carry it 10 times a game. And then he got turned into a full-time back in Atlanta where he carried it 400 times a season for five years and was actually pretty decent. I'm still surprised no one actually tried to sign him after he was cut. Why was it surprise? Why would that not surprise you? Or why why does that surprise you? Because he was actually still effective. No, he's not. Well, not now. now I think, but I'm I, I, even then, I think. I'm, <sighs> no comment. We're gonna go down a weird place where we have no business talking about it. I have no uh, idea why we're going to talk about the end of Michael Turner's career. <laughs> oh, another team I could throw for overhead is the Washington Redskins. Mmm, that's a good one. Um, that is a good one. Running back has fumbling issues. Um, you have to question whether he's quarterback, franchise quarterback, or just a really good backup. <laughs> yeah, oh, pretty much. You're off the shambles in a way. You have a good left side, but an awful right side of your line. Um, your linebackers are kind of slow, other than Kerrigan. Again, this is one of those. This is one of those where I think if the division was any better, I'm not sure the hype would be there. But that division sucks so bad. It was better two years ago. I don't know what happened. I can tell you what happened. I know. Philadelphia blew his wad. Dallas is this bizarre... It's on life alert. Yeah, it's on life alert. <laughs> I saw it and I can't get up. <laughs> um, it's like an old lady fell down and broke her hip. Um, Jeez. God, um, I don't need smoke for that. The um, Giants. Oh yeah, the Giants. The Giants are a complete mystery of just a cacophony of bizarre ways to screw stuff up. Like the Giants just find new ways to shoot themselves in the foot or blow their own hands off. One of the two. Depends how fantastic you want to be. But um. Yeah, I don't know. I just think it's such a mediocrely bland division. But again, if you go put them in the NFC North, does anybody think they're getting six wins? Uh, I can say maybe two. From the <laughs> I mean, let's say that's their division opponent. Let's say you exchange the Detroit Lions for the Washington Redskins. How many wins in the NFC North? or three. I can see them beating the Bears twice, and after that I get lost. Right? Oh, no, I was talking about a full 16-game schedule. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, that too. But I don't know who the other 10... I don't know who the other 10 uh, opponents are. But just in division, like, I think you're most talking two wins, and then, I don't know, maybe two, two or three for the rest of the schedule. I just... But you I don't know, I might not actually give them the Packers. You can actually upset them with a blue moon. I mean, that's, yeah, that's a really crappy division, uh, the more I think about it. 
All right. Do we have any more overhyped? Do we have any more? I don't think so. I can't think of any other. My big stick where my big sticking point was the AFC South. So once I got that off my chest, I felt better. Um, crap. Are, is anybody hyped on the Bills at all? Not really. I think they've come down to earth big time. Because Tammy Watson's injury. No, I just think it's more of the Ryan's both doing weird stuff with feet over the off season, and then people realizing they're both full of crap. So for those keeping track, that was a feet foot fetish joke about Rex Ryan that nobody got because nobody remembers like four years ago. Okay. Nice point. Um, yeah, but I I feel like they've come way way back to the pack because it's just how odd this off season was. Like Mario Williams coming out talking about you know the way they overthought things and yeah, oh I guess. I think they've come way back down to earth. Even though I think the talk of um, that, oh, this drove me crazy. I was listening to the, uh, what was it, the first Ringer podcast, the NFL show that they do, and it was top 10 quarterbacks. And one of the guys on there said the uh, quarterback from the Bills was a top 10 quarterback. I seriously thought, like, I was going to throw up. I couldn't believe it. It was was weird. Sorry, repeat that. Um, so you know The Ringer, right? You know what I'm talking The Ringer? I've seen the movie. <laughs> nice. Uh, no, Bill Simmons' new thing. Oh, no. The Ringer, okay. Well, it's basically Grantland, but not Grantland. So, <laughs> he basically went and brought his whole, you know, bunch of hooligans back. And so they were doing the NFL show on The Ringer podcast. And the very first one they did was top ten quarterback quarterbacks, and one of the guys on there said that the quarterback from the Bills, whose name is escaping me all of a sudden, uh, was his number ten quarterback in the NFL. I know. I said the exact same thing. What? Nothing. Yeah. Exactly. No, not really. I think I probably screamed at my phone. Well, where any other topics you can think of? No, not really. I need to see the highlights from Peru, Colombia. Are we done? Possibly. Anybody want to talk NBA? No, but I'll talk world football. (laughs) Soccer, baby. (laughs) All right, that's going to do it for us. Um, Possibly in two weeks or three again. I don't know. I don't know. I still, I still get to put these. I still get to blog anything. I like seriously haven't written anything like this week. So right. I'm slacking big time. <laughs> Where can people find and follow your work? Uh, at holistic underscore pickle on Twitter. Come follow me. Chit chat. I just broke 1,300 followers. I feel really special. So uh, thanks to all the followers out there. If you're all listening, uh, love ya. Uh, yeah. So at holistic underscore pickle. Um, the last two weekends, I've actually tried to sit down and write something, and every time I do, I end up getting massively interrupted, and I can't get anything done. So I'm going to attempt, and I, you know, attempt to write something this weekend. We'll see if I actually get around to it. 
Uh, so I don't know, but no guarantees. So that's his life. All right, you can find me at Isaiah C underscore NFL capital S and capital NFL. All right, and maybe we'll probably shoot two, maybe three weeks right before camp. Yeah, we're we're it's basically gonna be a black hole of information for like the next four, like what four to six weeks, pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah, there's like nothing going on, so I don't know. We'll, maybe we'll uh, we'll talk and maybe come up with something creative to do for a podcast in a couple of weeks. All right, or like football bingo or something. Football bingo. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think this has ever been done before. I I don't even. It just kind of came out. I I, I don't think even it know through. what. <laughs> <laughs> There's probably a reason why nobody's done football bingo. Probably sucks. Alrighty, talk to you later. Alright, till next time. Peace. This is the smell of a warm three day old egg salad sandwich in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra strong trash bag with new Fabuloso lemon scent. Hefty, hefty, hefty! <sighs> smell the difference? When life gives you stinky, get Hefty Ultra Strong with new Fabuloso Lemon Scent. It smells like clean, freshly picked lemons. So no matter what's inside your trash, you can stop the stink and smell the lemon.